Welcome to the 37th episode of the CKTH podcast. My name is John Vincent Campbell, and this installment is with longtime friend of the program, David Haynes, featuring his new collection of work, Gardens of Fate. Created between his recent travels to Iceland, Germany, Canada, and Luxembourg, these works are also the result of David's residency in Pescata, Italy. Inspired by nature and imbued with deep personal truths, a big thank you to David for sharing more of his story and its evolution. Cheers and enjoy. David, how's it going? John, good to see you. Uh, all is well here. I'm in Tuscany, so life is good. <laughs> life in Tuscany is good. That is a good life right there. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just beautiful here. I mean, it's really interesting here, too, because um, uh, just being in the land. So I'm in kind of the highlands in Tuscany uh, near a town called Palaya, which is near Pontedera basically, uh, if anybody knows what it is, it's kind of between Pisa and Florence. So just south of there. And, um, and, uh, yeah, when you're up here and you're looking at the landscape, you can really like see, uh, how the Renaissance painters saw the world, like how the light, um, creates these depths of field. And, uh, it's interesting cause they were, they were just painting what they saw, just like every other painter in this, in this world. I think they just paint what they saw. No, I, I, I can, uh, happily relate in the sense that, um, well, I saw uh, your show with Richie Culver, uh, in Rome last spring, almost basically a year ago, uh, today. And, um, when I was in college, I was fortunate enough to, uh, be able to do a language study in Siena for, um, about three months and that depth of field um, layer, if you will, that you just, just described was the yeah. thing that sort of really just set it apart. And I, it's, it's hard to describe how the landscape, the vistas quite literally inspired a painting almost at every glimpse. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's hard to just like without experiencing it, it's hard to really articulate it because it's something to do with the way the light hits the moisture in the air and the way the light moves from east to west over these kinds of hills in this particular landscape. And then how the, how the light is refracted in the air or like different condensities of, of, of moisture in the air makes these different depths of field. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty special because from what I understood ge geologically, this region used to be uh, like a shallow sea. And that's why there's so much, uh, like you can find so many uh, fossils of um, shellfish all through uh, the sand, like that makes up the landscape here. And that's why you get uh, really interesting wine minerals and different kinds of food and agricultural minerals that uh, are made uh, or produce certain results of foods here. So, so it's very interesting. So... To, our, to that exact point, you know, um, over the last year, you've been part of the, you know, 
use of the word journey, but you've really truly been on a um, really immersive journey, really, not only with yourself, with your practice, with your art making, but you could also say with just nature as a whole. Um, yeah, I mean, I've tried to be, uh, I mean, one could argue that my journey now is, uh, not such a, um, uh, like, I don't know, like I'm staying places. It's not like I'm sleeping in, uh, on, on the street or anything like that. Uh, which maybe has more to do with my, my past experiences in journeying, so to speak. But, um, but when I was in Iceland in January, we did sleep in an igloo in the mountains there. So, uh, some outdoors stuff, definitely some outdoor stuff, John, nature, nature, uh, engulfing experiences. Uh, yep. yeah, no, I, yeah. And I think go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, it just reminded me a lot, to be honest, frankly, of like the romantic poets, you know, right. Uh, to an extent, you know? Yeah, and uh, actually being here, uh, and I mean, also the some of the photographers that we're working with since we last saw each other, they've really captured uh, my true romantic self, which I guess, you know, um, if you were to sum me up on some levels, maybe I'm like a neoplatonic romantic type person, you know, whatever that means. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but... Since we last each saw each other, we saw each other where in the Catskills, right? At the Mock Project show. Yep. And then uh, I was in Luxembourg uh, doing residency with Eric Mangan. Um, uh, he runs like a very one-on-one um, -on -one residency experience on his, on his family farm. And what a privilege to be there. Um, I'm very excited. I'm going to be back there again this November, not as a residency, but to work on a project. So um, for Art Week Luxembourg. And so I'm very excited about that. Um, but yeah, so that was last November. And then I was back in Berlin, not very long, only for uh, part of December. Um, and I started some painting. Um, but, uh, then I had a residency in Iceland with the Lunga school and that was in Sædisfjörður on the, on the East Fjord. So it's pretty remote, uh, for European standards, it's pretty remote. And, uh, well, for anywhere standards, really, it's pretty remote. And, um, we did some pretty unbelievable things. Like we hiked, uh, so this is January, Iceland, it's pretty extreme weather there. Um, and, uh, we hiked, uh, to the far, uh, outreaches of the fjord. So close, but right by the, the ocean, um, and to a little cabin called uh, called Kauna or no, not Kauna, so Skalnas. And this cabin, like, uh, maybe I'll send you some pictures, maybe show you, but it's like, it looks like the end of the world really. And, um, the cabin's just like full of, uh, crystals and all sorts of mineral deposits that are found in the region. And also lots of the special down feather that only comes from birds that kind of migrate there. I don't know the full details, so don't quote me, but, uh, but then it's all covered in, uh, like Icelandic ruinage. So it's like, this place was very magical and, uh, we had a very magical experience there. And then also, like I mentioned, slept in some igloos and did all kinds of outdoor experiences and then brought that in and into the studio experiences. And, and I started some painting there, which I've 
finished while in Italy here. Um, and I can show you some of that. So yeah, no, I mean, really wild experience. It, it's, it's also been fascinating just to sort of see, um, the shape and, um, direction that you have sort of guided your work through this entire process. And, and even just sort of, uh, observing kind of how you've made certain decisions with respect to the medium, with respect to some of these special pastels that you've started to use that I think you said that your, your mother helped you identify like some sort of like 1970s specialty pastel kind of, um, um, that, that you have taken into the, into the sort of craggy sort of countryside. I, 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 I have a Montenegro kind of, uh, locked in the brand as well, because I just remember some of those images that you sent me in the past, uh, per my comments here about, um, the romantics, you know, climbing the Alps or whatever, uh, really inspiring stuff to be able to sort of, you know, see you sort of take, um, your eye quite literally up into the heights of these different, you know, places that seem like, uh, almost no one has ever really been. And, uh, and, and your, your art making out there and it's, it's quite different. It's quite cool. Thanks. I mean, um, yeah. And I mean, we've kind of talked before a little bit, uh, about what that process kind of means for me on some levels, but, uh, uh, maybe articulating it a little bit further again, just like thinking of like trying not to use the camera out in these places, trying to, uh, create work that is like this engagement with the, you know, energies there, which I kind of maybe would articulate more as a kind of a spirit. Uh, so a spirit that I'm engaging with, uh, and, uh, and, and seeing how that spirit converses with me in all these different places. Um, and, uh, but of course, like these are not places that nobody else has been. Maybe it seems like that, uh, online, but uh, they are traversed places. I mean, it's argued, it's arguably there's nowhere really on the earth that hasn't been somehow traversed, but, uh, they're new experiences for me yep. and, um, and, uh, new experiences for my work, which, uh, like I said, is maybe some sort of homage to, uh, early 20th century European and, um, uh, yeah, expressionist painting and also, as I'm working more on it, I definitely feel myself really influenced also by the colorists since I, I really feel very like I'm using color. Um, but, um, yeah, kind of trying to really learn more about what this spirit is communicating to me about and, uh, and what that vision is going to ultimately uh, look like and how it's building and, and being very patient as patient as I possibly can with it because I think I am personally inherently a very impatient person, but uh, I, I, I work hard to try and uh, give that part of me as much space to be a rambunctious child inside of me so that I can uh, live a little bit more uh, slowly daily life. Yeah. Well, you, you've said, you said once, or I, I, I think more than once that, you view this spirit and really, frankly, that each painting or work that you do um, is simultaneously a prayer and a sacrifice. And which I, which I really love. That's just like such a powerful sort of statement. And I think that it really resonates in everything that you put out there. Um, and I know that it's also emblematic of 
um, you know, a, a much broader kind of almost like overarching like evolution that you have, um, you know, been a part of with just, you know, yourself since the very beginnings. Um, you know, and just to touch on that word sacrifice for a moment in some of these places that, that, you know, you've climbed or, you know, made art from a specific sort of high up Vista or whatever there in and of itself, there is a, a sacrifice in doing that, right? It, there's, it, it requires physical effort to tramp up a mountain and to have the forethought to bring the materials and the intention to then say, no, 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 I'm going to sit down in this particular spot here and I'm going to produce something that kicks ass, you know? And, uh, and I think that there's just a, a lot of strength and power in that. And so I, I kind of, I want to take it back. If you, if you, if you will, to the, to the early beginnings here, because, you know, back to the days of Toronto and, and whatnot, because yeah. this spirit that is, that you have, it's obviously a eternal one and a very undeniable one. And I know that you have sort of witnessed it in various forms. And so I wanted to kind of take it back to the beginning and go, go from there on onward. If you, if, if you're okay with that. Yeah. Well, I I'd love to dig into that a bit too, but I'd love to kind of like briefly touch on uh, this idea of, of like painting as prayer in a way. And cause it's like, what does sure. that mean really? And uh, so I just want to show some of the one, the works that I've done here in uh, the residency at Villa Lena in Tuscany. And so these are small water. So they're actually watercolors on paper, uh, but I'm, I'm using kind of oil techniques. So it's back painting and also kind of a glazing technique. So there's very, so each color is quite a few layers of, of, of paint, of pigment or, or watercolor. And, uh, and, and, and it's like each time I add a new, like very like thin layer of color over and over and over and over and over. It's like I'm further committing to the spirit in a way, um, and in a in, in another kind of interesting uh, manner. I could almost argue it's like when when meditation meets prayer, um, because as so you can see this painting now. It's like it's it's there's a lot of like articulated lines. It's almost become graphic. It but, is. Uh, I can show you uh, what how like this this is a piece that's in process. Um, so it's already kind of developed past pure chaos at the beginning. But some of these paintings, they just start out totally chaotic. Uh, like that last one I showed you, which has these very articulated color patches. Um, it really started out quite chaotic and um, they, they take, they're quite laborious. They take time and uh, like a meditation, when you sit down, you sit on the cushion and you know, your intention is, Oh, I'm going, you know, whatever your intention is, you have to let go of that eventually. But, uh, you know, you sit down, you're immediately confronted with your mind. And uh, in general, this is very normal. So that's why a lot of people, I think, get turned off by meditation. It's like the mind is very loud, very chaotic, lots of thoughts happening. Um, you can't just shut it off, right? It's an organ. of So like that, you know, you sit down, you start off with the mind. It's chaotic. And then over time... Um, as you sit with it and you start to allow the mind to be as it is, it, it, it finds, um, patches of, of definition and also freedom, you know, it's, it, it lets go and it starts to just allow itself to be 
as it is. So I, that's kind of like what I was thinking when I when I try to talk about um, painting as prayer. Maybe that's a uh, 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 way of getting into that. Anyway, so yeah, like okay, rewind. Um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I and and just to just to add to that, um, you know, uh, I, I've always really just enjoyed you know some of these times that, that we've um been able to spend where you're working maybe you're back in berlin you know you're sort of um almost kind of like experimenting and letting the painting guide you you know often you'll tell me that the painting's speaking back to you and that sometimes you're you're just sort of like listening to that voice yeah and and, and that's Part of what I'm finding really fascinating about working, you know, as I'm traveling, it's like, how do I keep working while traveling? And uh, my, you know, now new, I would say on a very modest level, teacher, guide, mentor, whatever you want to say, uh, well, one of them, uh, I think I've talked about before Mark Emblem, but uh, the one that's, I'd say, kind of now added voice to the circle of voices, Sky Glavish. Uh, who's been very uh, encouraging and uh, offering a lot of wisdom and insight into my work uh, and has been encouraging a lot to focus on the paperworks while I travel. Uh, what's, what I find really interesting, because we've talked a lot, of, a lot about the oil paintings, and like, like you said, there's this, there's this really interesting, alive conversation that happens. And, and I think uh, oil painting, especially if you work in large format, is inherently performative. Uh, which might kind of tie in with this, the past, because I, I have a background in performance art. Um, and so large painting, I think, has this performative aspect to it. It takes up more space. It has a lot more to do with space in that um, regard. But what I like about these smaller paintings is that they are very intimate. They're very intimate, almost like being, you know, uh, the monk in the chamber and just being one-on-one -on -one with uh, the self or whatever, the Buddha nature, the spirit, God, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, um, um, yeah, so I've been really, uh, enjoying that part of my process. I think with these paintings too, it's almost like I enjoy the process more than the result actually, while with the oil painting, it's, it's also a lot about process too, but, uh, because there's this paint, this performative aspect to it, uh, uh, it does have something to do with like, how does that, how does that evoke, uh, energy and conversation between you and the living, the living painting itself. And, um, and with this, it feels more, yeah, very intimate, very personal. Uh, I'm going to borrow a word here, diaristic. So yeah, it's just been very fascinating to see how that spirit translates or transliterates. I like to use the word transliteration, which is this idea that as knowledge travels from one culture to another, it's going to it's going to change on some level, or it will be added to or subtracted from by these different cultures. So, if we look at like uh, Plato, for instance, like when Alexandria fell, the knowledge went to Arabia and then to Byzantium, then it went to the, went to Italy, where I am now, and we had the Renaissance, etc. So, and then Latin, you know, as this, and then finally translated into English, it's like, how many languages, cultures has that knowledge been through before, um, you know, us English speakers even get our hands on it. So been stepped on a couple of times. Yeah. And I, I can understand why a lot of people still want to learn Latin, you know, because it's, it's just like one step a little bit back from where we are now. Uh, 
anywhere. And, 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 and with respect to the works that you um, have showed just now, uh, what is the experience like for you with something that is so much more intimate? I, I don't know if intimate's maybe the right word, but this, the scale is smaller compared to, like I said, the, the show in Rome um, at, at, at uh, the White Noise Gallery, which was very large format. Um, like, I don't want to say, you know, communicating in a way that was more loud because those works were very graphic as well. But, you know, uh, there, there's almost like a, um, like you said, more of an intimate meditative quality to some of the things that you've been uh, more recently producing. Well, there's certainly uh, feeling quieter, which I'm really enjoying. Like what's what I love about these paintings too, because I just installed them here for the, we had the open studio here uh, yesterday, like over the weekend. And what I, and also I have an exhibition now in Piscata. It's all just smaller works too. And what's interesting about them is like from a distance, it's hard to get an idea of what it is you're even looking at. And so because of that, it's like just an abstract square object in space. And in a way you're like, Oh, what is that? And you get closer and closer and closer and closer. And then you're like, Oh wow, there's a whole world in here. And, um, yeah, it was really fascinating at the show, seeing how, uh, the viewers, the audience were really forced again to, take a moment and look and get intimate and, um, really, uh, engage with something that's, that's not just about, um, you know, taking a glance at it. It's like, no, you actually have to get in there and look at it. And, uh, you know, and I think art really is about taking time and looking. So, um, in a way it's fascinating for me, these smaller works, because even though in space it's quieter, it's not as, um, exciting you know like it doesn't have ooh, wah, ow, wow action to it but when you get in closer to it it calms you or at least my experience with it 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 asks you or maybe it demands from you your attention mm. and um you know that's very counter to i think what's what are the trends right now in art um but uh i think i'm again um uh, listening to uh, Sky, Sky Glabish, when um, I think this encouragement to to be an artist that is capable and willing and willing to sacrifice the, that excitement for something uh, smaller and more intimate. And, um, you know, and I want to be an artist that has um, multifacets to them. You know, I always have been. And, Maybe this kind of ties back into the past. So um, I, I, I wanted to be someone that did everything. And uh, and I used a lot of energy to do that. Um, and, it, and, it, and it did wear me out. Um, so so not really sure how to start that story. But so growing up, I grew up in Toronto, the city of Toronto. And uh, my parents, I grew up in a really... Really, I was very fortunate to grow up in this very small kind of little off the off the path street in North Toronto, and it was just like full of kids, and it was perfect for my family too because my my parents were not as, like as present maybe as I wanted them to be, um, and that's a, and I can understand why that now. But growing up, it was hard for me to understand that, and I spent a lot of time with other people and other families and out of the house, and. Um, but my parents really wanted me to be, be a musician. 
musician. So, uh, you know, I did the conservatory. I was in the choir. Um, music has always been uh, encouraged and, and uh, pushed for me when I was growing up. And um, that has had like a massive influence on me and art making. Like I love listening to different kinds of music and how that influences my painting too, which is really fascinating for me. Um, but um, yeah, so growing up doing music and, um, but really feeling like I wanted to communicate something. I, I, I really struggled having, I really struggled trying to use a voice uh, and I've always felt very unheard or misunderstood. And uh, when I started making art or engaging with visual art, I finally kind of like really felt like, oh, this is something that I feel like is communicating something inside of me. I, I don't know what that is. It's, it's really very gibberishy, but, um, and maybe that I, I like to hold on to that gibberishness still a little bit. Like I want there to be a mystery, you know? And um, because for me making art, the spirit that I was talking about, the, the, the paths it's leading me down is a mystery too. So I don't know where it goes and, um, and how I've gotten here is for me also a mystery. Like, uh, you know, I'm lucky to be alive, uh, uh, you know, and how I've gotten here has involved a lot of twists and turns and, and pitfalls that are many of which of my own making. And, um, so I, I'm very grateful that, um, you know, that this work, this spirit, this art, this art in my life has, has really helped me to get back on my feet many times because, uh, I think without it, I, I, I definitely would have given up a long time ago. So, and, and to kind of touch on that in a bit, like growing up, I, you know, I started using drugs and, and stuff like that at a very young age. And, uh, because I was really searching for a way of connecting to others. Cause I, I just didn't know how to do that in here, like on my own. And I really wasn't taught, taught tools or, or skills on how to do that. It just kind of, uh, existed. And I was always very kind of quiet until I got comfortable and, and then, um, you know, not very, uh, so I was very kind of antisocial. So, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol helped me to get involved with people that I really wanted to. And, uh, and it helped me get, uh, you know, I had the strong influence with my brother that, uh, you know, that was, and we were kind of all tied up in that, but I, I don't want to get too into it because they'll probably listen to this and, and I want them to know that I love them very much. And, um, they've all been very, uh, what I love about my family is that they, they've, um, loved me unconditionally, which I'm very lucky to have. Like, even though I've made a lot of mistakes, um, you know, uh, they, they haven't given up on me. So that's something I'm very grateful for. And so like, like, do they, they just shown up even when they didn't necessarily want to. So that's like, you know, like, how could I ask for more? And, um, uh, but yeah, so anyway, so music kind of led me down and I was playing in lots of bands growing up. Uh, I, you know, I grew up with a lot of people who are now very successful in musicians too. Um, and you know, Toronto has a very vibrant music scene still. And some of the people I know, they're very involved and they keep, they keep the city cool because it's very gentrified now. And I think the music scene is one of the only things really kind of holding on to something special there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of artists and stuff too, but I think the art world in Canada is really in Montreal. It's not really Toronto so much. Uh, uh, 
you know, and, he, and even now with the internet, it's like, like even for instance, Sky Blabish, like he lives in London, Ontario. Like if you thought about the art world, it's like not the art world. So, uh, you know, and he's, he's, uh, showing in Steve Friedman and, and Philip Martin gallery. So like, uh, it's possible now. And I think like in Canada, cause it's such a vast place. Um, you know, uh, you can, thanks to the internet in many ways, you can be an artist and be, be anywhere, but it's like your journey that gets there. That's, that's really going to make uh, depth to your work. So, um, anyway, so growing up, I, I was really involved in music and throwing a lot of parties, um, and, uh, throwing a lot of gigs, booking bands there for their first times in Canada. For instance, like I think we booked future islands for their first gig in Canada. Uh, and I was close with a lot of the, uh, like Baltimore scene at a time, uh, which actually I ended up living in Baltimore for a certain amount of time on and off. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and that, but that kind of led me because on the side, you know, there was this whole drug world that I was really, uh, grappling with like my, my addictions. Uh, I was really grappling with those. And so I was constantly trying to like make money as fast as I can. So I was doing lots of, uh, underground parties, uh, illegal parties, you know, kind of, there was a lot of shady business going on in those things. And, um, um, just to kind of fuel this, uh, insatiable need to find love basically. Um, and, um, can I, can I interject with a question? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I am, you know, I consider myself fortunate to have spent that time with you and, and your brother, um, and Eric uh, Somer from Vermont Projects in Catskill. And um, at that dinner, you and your brother, it was so much fun listening to the two of you describe one of these parties that you guys, I think, famously or infamously were um, the driving force behind. And uh, you both described this like airplane hangar-esque type environment where the ceilings were like made of tin foil or something along these yeah. lines. Maybe you right. could just sort of distill that kind of moment uh, a yeah. bit. More. I can't remember what that place was called, but it was in an area of the city called Kensington Market. And it was right. So there was an alleyway in Kensington Market. And the back of the alleyway was a bar club place where I used to DJ and throw some parties too, called Cold Tea. And then on the other side was a, was a DIY space where I'd also play gigs, perform, do a lot of performance art and, um, and do parties too called double, double land. And then underneath it was this, um, double, double land. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then underneath it was this, yeah, it was like being in a space capsule. The whole place was like, you know, when people describe the factory, like Andy Warhol's factory, just covered in tin foil. So it was covered in like tin foil, like, um, what's it called? Like bubble wrap. So all the walls were squishy, but they were also reflectory. And it was in this like basement with, uh, like vaulted ceilings. And, uh, so it really felt like you were in a space capsule and, um, there, the guy who kind of owned it, ran it, can't remember his name or anything like that. Um, he like did some weird light installation in the back and it would like spin and you'd be like tripping out, especially all the drugs that people were on and these things. And, uh, yeah. And we put some really weird gigs down there and then eventually just mostly did illegal parties down there. And, um, yeah, it was like, there was no breathing air down there. Like it was really, it was really like, uh, hectic experiences, but, um, 
yeah, we did some weird shit down there, but some of the more legendary stuff, I guess Jeff and I did also, we, we would do annually like a boxing day party. And I know in the States, you guys have black Friday or whatever. And in Canada, we have boxing day. I think it's more like you, uh, British. So it's like the day after Christmas. And so we threw this boxing day party in a different location every year. And, um, and, uh, we get big DJs, some from out of town, from some local heroes, et cetera. And then I would also bring in a lot of video artists and performance artists and stuff like that. So it would really be pulling off like this Alan Capro kind of happening events. So people would be wearing like costumes and masks. We have projections and stuff and then DJs would be playing and stuff like that. So it was really like, uh, we were trying to give an experience. And, uh, one of them, I remember we were trying to get the projector installed and we had like three ladders like strapped to each other. And I remember like climbing up it and the things are like bowing and everyone's just like, Oh my God. Like, it was like, like nutty, man, like pure nutty. Um, and, um, yeah, it was just, uh, <laughs> chaos, but you know, we put a lot of energy into that stuff and, um, you know, people who were back then, people who are still around, they remember a lot of the crazy stuff we did. Uh, some of the stuff on the island, like one of the last weird things I did with my, I was in this musical group called Dove with this guy, Matt Cangiano, who's also a great painter. Um, he and I did this thing called Dove. And on the island, we did this like crazy fire performance. People still talk about it because it was like really dangerous. Like I'm surprised nobody got hurt like at this thing because it was just insane. And um yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy, like, I can't remember all the stuff that went on because it's just a lot of it was, uh, in a blur. Like I wasn't really sober at all through any of it. So, um, but like stuff like that, rolling around the fire, making out, dancing to Madonna that, that turned into black metal and then like throwing shotgun shells into the fire, they'd explode. And, like I, I made these torches as dancing with them, like flames are flying everywhere. Like stuff like this is like totally not safe Shit. like i'm surprised nobody got hurt nobody got hurt i mean i i still have some burns on me from that but yeah <laughs> proof that you were there yeah i guess so i mean uh, well and, and i there's a fearlessness um you know back to my commentary here about the romantic poets you know you and i have joked at a time here and there about uh william blake songs of innocence and experience and, uh, you know, there's a, there's a balance there, right? You, you, you probably don't want too much of either one, right? And uh, I think in order to achieve that balance, it requires a certain measure of being fearless and uh, ignoring trends and ignoring, sometimes ignoring rules and ignoring, you know, ways that society has told us to behave or whatever, whatever, in order to sort of... Uh, you know, break through and, 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 and get further in touch with, you know, the, the voice and the spirit and the sacrifices that, that, you know, to be true to these, to this day, sitting there in Italy right now. Yeah. And I suppose looking back, maybe I was engaging in some kind of a Dionysian spirit, like just totally delusion driven. And, uh, but you know, where that led me was really like an ego death, not caused by psychedelics, like most people caused by, uh, running to the end of the line for me. And, um, and, uh, you know, I, I did try multiple, uh, suicide attempts in my life, but the last one was, uh, really, I felt like there was no more option for me. Uh, it was like, I couldn't keep living the life I was doing and I didn't know any other way. And, uh, you know, thank God, uh, my aunt who's now passed, you know, rest in peace. 
my aunt Evelyn, uh, she, she really, uh, was like, you got to do this. And I just turned myself over to that. And, um, and that's led me down another road of recovery and that recovery has led me where I am now and to painting. Painting has been a big part of my, uh, recovery process. And, um, and I'm very grateful that like my art making process has given me a lot of, um, um, purpose in life. You know, like I, I feel for people who struggle to want to live without purpose. And, uh, you know, so I have a lot of compassion for people that are, um, searching, uh, and, and that make mistakes and fall down, get back up, you know, cause, um, you know, nobody's not, nobody's perfect. And unfortunately, like the mistakes we make sometimes, uh, we, we, we hurt ourselves and we hurt the people we love. And, uh, we also, uh, you know, step on people unintentionally through the way. And, uh, so it's, it's a, not everybody gets out the other side. Like I did, you know, I think most people's story when they go down the path I have is usually towards what, what, what we say is like institutions, jail or death. So, um, and I was like on that way. So I'm, I'm glad that I, you know, I was in a burning building and I jumped out the window and, uh, some bones broke on the way, but, and it took me a while to get back up and be able to have conversations with you, uh, in any kind of an articulate fashion, because if you had talked to me six years ago, I couldn't form sentences really. So uh, it was, a uh, it was, I really had to just surrender my will. And, uh, and I still struggle with that. You know, I also have to do it every day because, um, there's a part of me that's very impatient, very greedy, very, uh, envious and, um, and scared. And, uh, and so, you know, painting has been a way for me to give that part of myself, um, uh, uh like a lush, meaningful living, uh, engagement with a spirit that really loves me and cares for me, uh, that challenges me, you know, sometimes tests me, but I think they're tests of love. So I think love can take many forms. So, uh, yeah. Oh, very well said. I mean, um, I learn from every one of our conversations, um, something because you're, you're such a scholar of, history of philosophies. Obviously, you've um, studied quite a lot about religion and things that are adjacent to spirituality. And I think that um, core to a lot of that practice and work that you've done, that's 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 that studiousness. Um, I've always sort of also felt like it's um, it's a challenging thing for anyone, I think, to, like you said, reaffirm every day in a practice that's, that's, you know, marching in a new direction and to also do that, to, to engage in that kind of a march with daily forgiveness of yourself. Right. Um, and, 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 and it's, and it's, and it's tough to do that because it, you have to sort of put on blinders maybe, or, or, or sort of block out, um, different impulses, different inputs, different trends, and um, I think that one of the things that I've always loved about our conversations is that you are consciously not trying to engage in a lot of trends. You, you are instead choosing to kind of uh, liberate yourself from those kinds of things 
and produce work that just feels so pardon the buzzword here, but just so authentically you, um, which is, uh, again, something that's undeniable and, 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 you know, obviously something that I think draws a lot of people towards it. Um, so, so while listening to you, I, I can't help, but also, um, think a lot about, you know, when you're talking about this daily practice of forgiveness or, you know, acknowledging one's character that comes with all kinds of, uh, how do I say, like qualities that, um, uh, some are more, uh, living up to principle and others not. Um, but, but they are human qualities. Um, uh, so I was thinking about forgiveness, you know, and, uh, what, what, uh, and, and also like this idea of, of living of responsibility. And, you know, I was talking a little bit about some of this exciting stuff of my past or this kind of colorful aspects of my, of my, uh, time, uh, growing up. But, um, yeah, I think, like I said, like I came to the end of the road with that and, uh, you know, in order to live, to keep living and to live, uh, with, uh, a sense of, can I say like pride or love for the self, I have to take responsibility also for, uh, you know, the, the ways in which I lived that were against my principles and that, um, didn't necessarily, that didn't live up to, uh, how the way the values I had or have that I really abandoned for a long time. And I think like, you know, it's like living responsibly or like responsibility also in this idea of forgiveness and amends. Uh, you know, it's, it has a lot to do with living immense, you know, living differently, living differently, uh, living in such a way that you're, that the way you lived before is changed. And, uh, you know, I, I, I recently, I don't know if you've seen this movie, uh, but women talking, and I think it's a really powerful film and I've, I know it's a book and it's based on real life. Uh, and I don't want to like do it injustice by summarizing it, uh, inappropriately, but um, in it, there is this process of forgiveness that takes place. And, um, and, and in that they have to do something differently in order for forgiveness to happen. And I feel very much the same. It's like, I have to live differently in order to have a living amends in my life in order to, uh, take, take accountability and be responsible for, uh, some of the, some of the, some of the ways that life has unraveled for me. So, um, you know, and that just means like, uh, this recovery process on it and, 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 and it's, it's, it's slow, maybe slower than others, but I, I try not to compare myself so much because that's never done me any good. Uh, but, uh, I'm in this process and, uh, and I learn a lot about, about, uh, you know, many of the dishonest illusions I, I, and stories I tell myself, you know, it's like, it's hard sometimes to know what's truth and what's reality because of how much uh, story I've indulged in. And maybe that's where art really comes in because 
I, I have very strong imagination that's, um, that's, uh, sometimes very beneficial and sometimes very confusing. So, uh, you know, as I unravel or the, the, the chaos of the past, just like the painting, you know, as I, as I put each new layer of paint on, commit more to the prayer of the spirit, which is a spirit of love, um, you know, uh, a picture becomes more clear and one that, um, I can live with, you know, cause that's, that's, that's the goal. And like, I think my message in art, you know, is like, um, that I, I have chosen to live. And with that, I've chosen to engage with this creative spirit and that creative spirit demands sacrifice and the sacrifice is to keep living. And so living involves uh, creativity. And so I make art because life demands it. So it's all kind of like tied in for me, you know, and I really feel like everything's really connected. Like um, the longer I keep going, the more I see how the, the nuances of connectivity uh, take place in this, in this life, in this universe, in this thing we call reality. And, um, you know, there's really, everything's connected. We, we can't shit or eat for each other. We can't sleep for each other, but every we're all connected and everything's connected. So it's kind of, it's very, uh, non-dual. It's like we're connected, but we're also, uh, not, not right. I think we've talked about that before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talk about, if you can, the phrase, this is something that I, um, pulled from a, a separate interview that you did, which I enjoyed. Um, but Talk about the phrase critique as practice, if you can. Um, because I think that that was something that um, stood out, at, you know, and to me as being something that's very much in alignment with, with what you've been sort of uh, engaging in, where you're, you are challenging yourself on this very um, intense, personal journey, as you've described it, you know, from deciding, Hey, you know, this point forward, my mentality is this. And it seems like you've kind of in, embraced this idea of critique as practice, even if the biggest critic there might still be David Haynes. Critique mm -hmm. is practice because it's like in some ways, I mean, we've talked about this too before is like, I kind of chosen the path of painting as a means of not being critical. <laughs> uh, but critique is practice in a way by making work that is like non-institutional really, which I think most contemporary art now is very institutional. Um, and maybe in a way, uh, an expressionist self-taught painting practice is very non-institutional, but you know, that's argue arguable. So I'm sure somebody would argue against that, but uh, maybe in a way that is the critique is like, um, uh, like, as you were saying before, to make work that feels authentic or feels something close to honesty, if that's even possible. Um, you know, maybe you have to let go of the critique. So I'm going to read you, I'm going to read it then a, a follow on here, a quote from you. If we want art to progress, then what we need to do is challenge ourselves. And that means caring about life and living in the world holistically. 
And I think that living in the world holistically to an, to an extent is sort of that duality, as you were saying, of being connected to, to the, the world around us, to the vistas of Tuscany, to the history that you are um, a student of, um, but at the same time, challenging, you know, challenging your own point of view, right? Challenging your own ability to create and, and have output that's meaningful. Um, you know, I, I've certainly enjoyed learning about um, your career arc because your work today is just so different than a lot of the stuff that you were previously producing, right? Whether it be more stuff that was more technology based or photography based or even I would say uh, commentary based on it, mashing these things together, sometimes quite literally in concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of relates in some ways to what I was saying before, how, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted, there's a part of me that wants to do everything, wants to do everything all at once. Um, and, uh, by choosing to deepen the practice I'm doing now by choosing to paint, um, is in a way it's, it's to, like I was talking about before, to live different than I have in the past because, uh, the way I was living was killing me. And, um, so I have to try something different. And, um, the more I try this different way, uh, the more alive I feel and the more, the more I'm humbled because, uh, you know, I'm not, as, I'm not as great as I, as I'm not as, um, I'm not as much as any of the things I've told myself less or more. I'm just who I am. And who that is, is, um, is full of contradiction. So, you know, even now when I speak about how I'm trying to live differently, like I'm not doing it perfectly, you know, I'm not, and that's something I'm trying to let go of too. This, this you know, cause there's a part of me too, that just wants to control and be, be, per, be whatever that means, like flawless or something without flaw. And that's just not my, that's not my reality. So, uh, so in a way like painting, just like meditation, like I was talking about, or just like a spiritual practice where you're confronted with yourself, the reality of yourself, which is full of its limitations and where you are in the here and now. And, and I hope that my painting, if anything, um, communicates to others that it's okay to just be where you are. It's okay. It's like, 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 I think it's more than okay. It's, it's actually, it's beautiful. And the word humble, you know, it's such a loaded word. Um, it's like you even know, by saying it, you are not humble. Right? <laughs> well, I, 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 uh, you know, having grown up in a um, Irish Catholic, Italian Catholic family, um, right? There's the, the word humble often gets used early and often, you could say. And like it like, changes its meaning. even. It, it does. It, it, it's it, it's it's 
nothing against the word humility right now. Okay. Love you, humility. Um, but oftentimes that word, I think, becomes very weaponized. Um, you know, it can be used in a way that's we- uh, weaponized because it, 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 at least for me, has always presented this kind of, um, you know, um, and this is an unfair characteristic uh, for this word, but it, it, to an extent, there's a, there's a box there, right? There's a box there. And, and, and not to, not to hearken, you know, uh, things too, too much here religiously, but, but there's a phrase, right? Like never hide your light underneath a barrel. And, um, when you're somebody that has something to say, something to do, something to express that that energy has to go somewhere, um, you know, the word, uh, attempt to be humble, which is something that you and I were discussing this morning makes so much more sense to me because it, it feels so much more authentically humble. You know, I mean, I, I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but to me, to me, that, that, that is so accurate in the way of we can only really attempt to be humble at the same time, if we really truly want to express that light that's inside of us. Is that, that maybe it's funny? Cause like attempt is like almost like a language that is not really like, it's not encouraged in, uh, in, in, I think the, uh, the, the ideal of what a person is supposed to be motivated towards. So if, if somebody talks about perhaps, or maybe, or attempt or try, like this is just full of doubt, self doubt that we project onto others. And it's like, well, can't, why are the two, aren't the two, you know, why are the two, what is it mutually exclusive or why, why are the two, why can't you be both, um, at the same time? And I, I, I struggle with the world we live in because, like, this is part of why I think some of the things I've, I've done to, uh, some of the choices I've made and places I've gone and, and, uh, the search maybe for a world that is not the one that frustrates me. Um, because I do have like, uh, these ideals that are, uh, that are like unreasonable maybe. And, uh, you know, not like, you know, it's how I treat myself and, uh, and I want to, I want to soften those edges because, uh, the world, and the people in it are no more or less than they are. And, and that's, that's hard to accept, you know, but the more I do even in little bits, and it's always like maybe one step forward, two steps back, um, the more, uh, happy, I, you know, content I become, you know, if, if happiness, um, but I just, I feel more content and, I have more moments of joy than when I don't. I'm always trying to swim upstream. I'm just going to wear myself out. So, you know, maybe, maybe sometimes I don't even have to be in the stream. I can just take a break. <laughs> and, uh, and that's why I, I love about, you know, having a very holistic life involving painting and, and a daily spiritual practice and, 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 bringing myself into places that I feel uncomfortable in, like 
the safe space for me is curled up in a ball, right? So like to be out and sharing space with other artists, Flora Wallace, who I share the space with here at the Atlanta residency or being constantly around others, this is uncomfortable space for me. And, um, you know, I'm living the dream, but I'm learning and, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's, I think this, what I'm talking about this demand in a way, it's like, I have to sacrifice my comfort zone for a learning experience, which I'm hoping helps me to, uh, stop wanting to dig deeper neural pathway grooves into that old way of seeking comfort, comfort and self-destruction and turning, you know, these quote unquote uncomfortable spaces into, uh, where I do feel comfortable. Uh, I don't, <laughs> it's funny when we were like going to plan this thing, I was like, I don't really have anything to say, but clearly we've been chatting for a bit. That was a lot. I don't know. I just, whoever does listen to this like they don't i don't think of myself as some guru or something i got that but just another person in the world well you know it it, when when i've heard you describe these sorts of ebbs and flows on a personal level right it 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 always sort of for me makes total sense that you have such a background one in music and that you do identify uh, very deeply with the DJ world because, right, it's all about reading that audience, understanding where these shifts need to come before the audience or the crowd understands it. Yeah, and I think I think that's why I like exhibiting my art in gallery context because just like a DJ, you know, they're reading the crowd. Like for instance, like, I, I, I don't think I'll ever be a great DJ, but like my friend, Christine Barilli, she's a great DJ and she knows what she's going to play and is going to like influence the crowd. And like, that's why I love showing my work in an exhibition context, because that's where I can, uh, in a way, like through curating my work, create moods and experiences and for viewers to move through. And I can, I can almost like imagine what they're, like what that narrative would be like in their head. So like my show in Piscata right now at Emerge Project Space, it's like really elegantly placed out. And the works are very small, but they have so much space. And, um, you know, and I love to experiment with that kind of stuff. And for me, that's in a way carrying music on. And I really love the way musicians speak about art and creative. Like I listened to this great lecture with, uh, what's it, Adrian Lenker, uh, hope I, I remember her name correctly, but Adrian Lenker, she had this great interview and I just couldn't exactly tell you exactly all the things she said, but I just, I really enjoy her perspective on life and creativity or like even here at the residency, there's a couple other musicians that I've been here with, uh, uh, Cosmo Sheldrake, for instance. And we just like go down the rabbit hole talking about like life and the creative experience and, and all that stuff. And I, I love that. I love how, um, it doesn't matter what medium you do. We're all engaging, uh, I'm holding this brush here. We're all engaging with like the same spirit in a way. And like, I know that others would argue against that, but when I'm making this work and I'm, I'm, I'm spending time with other creative people, which is very enlightening experience. Um, I see that. And, um, and, and I, and I just, 
it's it's a profound thing that I don't have full articulation of yet, but that um, continues to um, entice me to follow the string further into the labyrinth. You know, so uh, yeah. I want to read you an, uh, one. I don't want to say one final quote, but right, right. Uh, this is a um, a response that you provided. Um, in, in, in this same interview about stylistic non-permanence, which was actually a phrase that I quite enjoyed because it's a very work in progress-ish, which I believe is an apt way to describe us humans writ large. Um, so here comes the David Haynes quote, never be afraid of experimentation and change. To do anything otherwise is to work in fear. And when you do that, eventually the work stops and I'm in this for life. It means I can be light on my feet. It means I can keep seeing the world and exploring the internal and external seamlessly. It's also brought me closer to my family, especially my mother. That was a touching quote. Thanks, yeah. Your mother, who's, who's the first higher power in your life than your mother? Literally, yes. Thanks for reading that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what's more of uh, endeavor than to improve the relationship with your family? You know, wherever I go in this world, people always talk about the struggles they have with their family. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the, those are the people in our lives, if we're lucky enough, are there with us the longest. So I think it's, it's a worthy, it's an honorable endeavor. Definitely. I, like I said, I, being around you and your brother, Jeff, um, shout out by the way, uh, obviously you're a new uncle, um, you know, yeah. big to Jeff and his family, but yeah, I mean, there was this just like, as, as is the case many times when you're around two very talented people with this kind of uh, energy and this kind of uh, uh, really just the, this kind of brilliant energy. I mean, obviously, your, your brother is a, a creator as well. And, uh, you know, um, just kind of uh, enjoying that, that aura. But I think that the two of you have when you're together, um, pretty damn cool, man. I mean, truly. And the fact that you, you know, uh, said what you just said, I, 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 I think we all can relate because being in a family is not something any of us choose. And, uh, like you said, at the same time, if, if we're fortunate, um, you know, we, we cherish it and build on it, uh, over time. Um, sometimes through crazy hairpin turns as well. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, there's this, there's this term that's chosen family. I mean, of course you can choose, uh, other people to be closer into your life, but 
you know, the one, the, the family or the, the peoples that you're born into, um, yeah, it's some people, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, you got to work with what you got. Truly. Uh, Truly. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, uh, I think that's, that's, uh, it's a a beautiful thing. Whatever capacity that, whatever form that takes, it's, it's, our life right so now that you have gone from berlin to the u.s to canada to luxembourg to iceland germany again maybe italy um what do you feel like is sort of next on the horizon right so um I I'm finishing up this residence here at the Villa Lena Foundation in Tuscany, and then I'm I'm going to be spending another month in Italy, uh, just following up with some people, uh, meeting meeting up with them in Venice. I think Venice, Milan, Rome, and uh, I'll be spending some more time in Florence and Bologna, um, and uh, just like continuing the process. Going to. Uh, maybe finish a couple more of these uh, works on paper, but doing a lot, maybe a lot more plein air stuff because I've been kind of holding off on that as I focus on this. And I've been collaborating with a print studio in Florence called Il Bizanta Printmaking Studio. So I have a new um, etching coming out, uh, which I'm very excited about. I I can't really share that yet, but I'm very excited about it. And, uh, you know, opening up a new, um, tool in my medium toolbox, so to speak. Uh, I'm not sure how much etching I'll do, but uh, it'd be interesting to continue to bring that in there and and articulate some of the images I'm making, the spirit I'm engaging with in a new medium. So uh, that's interesting. Um, And and otherwise, I'm going to be kind of digging a bit more deep into some of the research I've already done. I spent some time with the Giorgio Morandi collection in Bologna, and I, I'm planning to do a little bit more of that. And um, uh, meeting up with the curator of my exhibition and Pescara Benedetta Monti and Andrea Festa in Rome. And then uh, the guys at Emerge Project Space are working on a catalog for the exhibition. And so I'm very excited about that. And um yeah. Otherwise, then after that, I'm back in Berlin, and I'm. Um, it's kind of interesting in a way. Not, the journey hasn't this, this traveling thing hasn't ended, but there's going to be a lot, probably the longest break between places. So I'll be about three or four months in Berlin before I go to Copenhagen for Enter Art Fair with um, uh, with the gallery out of Aarhus, and and then I'll be back in Luxembourg for Art Week for Luxembourg Art Week with. Eric Mangan and uh, Farmland Residency, but we're going to be doing some project with that. And then uh, I'll finally be in Canada to meet my nieces. <laughs> uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I just continue to doing some works on paper probably when I'm there before that, mostly oil painting. 
And then next year I have another solo show with, uh, Eric summer, who we talked about at Mott projects. And I'm kind of just like trying not to take too many commitments until then, because I really want to show up to that show with, uh, you know, just really show up. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, Eric and Mott projects is a special place to do exactly that. So yeah, hopefully yeah. I can be there for that, for that as well. Yeah. Would love that. Would love that. Well, uh, David, always wonderful to connect on these levels and, uh, you know, so greatly appreciate, um, all of the energy and the sincerity, um, and honesty and transparency that you always, uh, give to the conversation. And the privilege is, I mean, it's a privilege always to be here, John, and the pleasure is all mine. Uh, you know, I really, I don't know. It's, it's, it's still like bewilders me that, uh, you know, that, uh, you've, that you've been so willing to offer me a space to, uh, talk and to share, uh, my, some of the, my perspectives and uh, my practice and things. And you, you know, the space you offer is very generous and I, and I'm always grateful for it. And, uh, I, I look forward to continuing our relationship and how that, that, uh, expands and, um, you know, let's, let's keep, let's keep it going, man. Amen. All about keeping it moving, man. All right. Um, cool. Well, see you soon. I will see you uh, soon and talk to you soon and uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy the time in Tuscany today. Grazie. Grazie mille. Cheers. Cheers.